If you can hear that sort of howling sound in the distance, well, that's a plane passing by. Not gonna lie, it'd be kind of neat if it was, well, a roaring throng of people in response to this episode of the DC Comics new Spinner Rack. But then that seems a bit grandiose, or at least it feels that way, especially saying it out loud. Hello and welcome to the DC Comics New Spinner Rack, episode number 67. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. Pleasure to have you with me today. And this week, just like every week, the plan is fairly simple. I pick out five books from the books published this week from DC Comics. And in the process, I explain why I think they're the top five books to pick this week. It comes back to this idea of the spinner rack, which is fairly simple. It's just a rack that used to float in the middle of a drugstore or any other newsstand-like environment. And if you were lucky, you could find a couple of books to take home. I was always on a bit of an allowance budget, which meant probably no more than a few. In this case, for this show, I pick five. That's my budget each week. And to kick off this week, episode number 67, we're starting things off with my first choice, which is The Dreaming, Waking Hours, The Bard, and The Bard, Part 1. It's written by G. Willow Wilson, who introduces a really great set of storylines and characters and really grounds you in the environment. This is supported by beautiful art by Nick Robles, colors by Matt Lopes, Letters by Simon Bolin, an original cover by Nick Robles, and a variant cover by Yannick Paquette and Nathan Fairbairn. It's really hard to say which one is the better to choose. In fact, side by side, they actually make quite the combination of images, almost almost to be uh, thematic, like, like a really neat sort of poster board that continues. It's a lot of fun. I highly recommend it. You're dropped into the very mundane story of Lindy, who is pursuing her graduate-level coursework. And she's not getting a lot of success with her advisor, especially regarding her thesis, which is an approach to Shakespeare that isn't supported. And she also feels that she's not receiving any sort of support that she might have hoped for from an advisor who is also a woman, but who feels that because she had to come up the hard way, surrounded by men who were always looking for an opportunity to knock her down, she can't afford a luxury to Lindy that she wasn't given. Otherwise, she would be taking away from the challenges of the experience. I don't know if I agree with that, but... She makes her argument firmly enough that Lindy knows that this is something she's going to have to deal with. The problem is, this meeting, like others, is prefaced by a dream in which a house that is unfinished and has many stairs, but never actually allows her to get to a purpose, is something that's occupying her sleeping and waking hours. And it's here that she discovers a little bit of a nightmare. Um... One that has great potential, but is loose and escaped from a place where the nightmares are kept. This discovery is shocking, not just for Lindy and Ruin, 
but also for Dream, who is not a fan of things going awry, let alone nightmares escaping their box. With all of that in mind, there is a twist that replaces the two characters in different worlds. And with that, suddenly Ruin is responsible for a very precious item that has been the biggest focus of Lindy's life. Now, caught in a dreamlike world, facing off with more than a few versions of a legendary literary figure, we get the opportunity to experience what Lindy will do when presented with these variations and how they will perhaps challenge some of the notions she's been presenting in her thesis and has been building so much of her current life around. And then there's Ruin, who can only find hope from a select group of people. And when it comes to the precious cargo she has, well, she's going to have to rely and trust that there are those who will see the value of this item to be worth helping her out. I thought this was a great introduction to a new story. I've been a huge fan of what G. Willow Wilson is able to create in storytelling, especially with comics, especially with great characters. I love the idea she's immersed in this, the dreaming world, and I'm hopeful to see more of what she can offer. Five out of five for me with the dreaming, the waking hours. Now you couple that with something like amazing art and a few other wonderful bits of joy that exist within this book, you might be tempted to call it a 10 out of 10. However, sticking with the rules, 5 out of 5, great introduction to the first choice, and an opportunity for us to move into our second choice. Now for my second choice, I decided to pick up Far Sector number 7. It's been a compelling storyline that I have loved issue after issue. Writer uh, N.K. Jemsen is phenomenal. The art and color by Jamal Campbell is something that is so original that each time I open an issue, I'm amazed at how I have to sort of change the way my brain interprets images in order to adequately and then appropriately and then completely understand what I'm looking at, which is really gorgeous. Um, there's an absolutely uh, lovely original cover by Jamal Campbell. There's great letters by Darren Bennett and a gorgeous variant cover by uh, Stepan Sejic, who I've loved from his uh, Wonder Woman uh, series. Or no, sorry, I'm mixing him up with uh, the Harley Quinn one. Ah, sometimes it happens to the best of us. The original is phenomenal, but there's something just joyful about the variant cover to this issue. Um, there's even less snoring from Bruno, my uh, French bulldog, who seems a bit more relaxed. You might have heard Fiji doing a bit of the jingling. She's, well, sometimes with Fiji, you just got to love the fact that she's just a little <laughs> excited at times. And that's okay. I love her for it. Uh, they're subdued at the moment, which is sort of fun for me to, you know, enjoy the feeling of relaxation that they have right now and the feeling of just overall joy that I have when I'm reading this book. There's so much fun to be had and really 
it's it's a treasure it it really reminds me of some of the best things that are possible with comic books and storytelling in this story we have an experience where we get to see just a little bit more of our hero who has for the most part been learning more about the city enduring but that doesn't mean that she's gotten any better at figuring out how things work and yet joe like the recurring sound of planes in the distance is relentless she is she is comprised of something that is so resilient that she can even take the experiences she has in the moment and remember the difficulty she experienced apparently serving overseas and it looks like also with a uh, police background but the great thing about this is how it allows her to act in the moment deal with the situation and unfortunately push through when she realizes that what she's fighting is actually just animated corpses who are being used in a malevolent way. One that has actually taken the life of a person she had come to trust during her time at the City Enduring. And in that moment, that sense of loss is so profound that she's willing to try and engage with the AI network, the AT, as it's called, so that she can find some sort of revenge, vengeance, or justice for this lost person and the other two who were tragically co-opted into a failed mission. The result is a decision to journey into a very intriguing AI environment, one in which time and all other elements of existence are completely different, and one where she has to learn just what it means to, well, exist in that environment and not simply try to picture it the way she thinks it should be pictured. Maybe this is stirring Bruno up with the snoring. I can hear him getting going just a little bit. But there's what we think we know from science fiction, and then there's adapting to what we experience in the moment, the here and now, or in the true reality, from theory to application, which also highlights this lovely memory that she recalls, which is when she receives her Green Lantern ring and how the ring she's being given is given to her by a guardian who explains that instead of focusing on the singular idea of the will to overcome fear, which is at the heart of the Green Lantern rings, this ring is nuanced with the willpower required to live with fear as it says, to push toward a goal over years against a whole society with no hope of reward. And when it comes to Joe, whose full name is, is reminded here is Sojourner Moulin, it, it's a reminder of all of the things that she's already done, all of the times that she's proven what she's capable of, and now how she's being given a gift that allows her to take what she's capable of and use it in all the best ways she thinks is possible. Really lovely book, really lovely story. I mean, the thing about Far Sector is not only does it continue to surprise with amazing writing, but it continues to astound with gorgeous art. It's an alien world that feels so real 
and so original, and it makes for some of the best page turning in DC Comics right now. That's my second choice. We're going to go ahead and take that quick ad break, fill you in on all the happenings and goings on here at DC Comics News, and bring you on back for my third, fourth, and fifth choices. This is the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, episode number 67, taking a quick ad break, and then coming right back to you. Hi everyone, I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News Podcast, here every week to talk everything DC, movies, TV, comics, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it, here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. (laughs) No. Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making Bat Shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Cougar. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nuts. I definitely do not f*** bat. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f*** with Lois Lane. For f***'s sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. (laughs) Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. F***ers. And just like that, I'm back, you're back, we're back. Squeaky chair and all. Now it doesn't squeak, of course. It's only going to squeak when I don't want it to. So when you hear that happen, 
know that once again the chair has won and I have lost. However, you are winning hand over fist when it comes to this episode number 67 of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. Our first two books are out of the way. You enjoyed that great ad break, filling you in on everything going on here at DC Comics News. And now we have an opportunity to dive into a wild, a weird, a wonderful, and an economical offering from DC Comics. I'm talking about Dark Knight's Death Metal, Legends of the Dark Knights, issue number one. It reminds me, when you're looking at this book and the introduction page and the contents page and the number of stories involved, just how great it is when you pick up one of those big, thick, 80-page, 100-page, enjoyed (laughs) experiences. And you know that you're just in for a bunch of fun stories that don't drag out, that punch hard and fast and and leave you kind of breathless. For me, that's generally a good feeling. And uh, there's a great intro sort of giving you an idea of what's been going on in the DC universe, the dark multiverse, and everything from, uh, you know, the different versions of the Dark Knight, the Batman Who Laughs, Robin King, and then you have this great list of stories, The Darkest Night by Scott Snyder, James Tynan, and Josh Williamson. Really, it's a combination to keep in mind, especially because I've really loved everything that Joshua Williamson has been doing with The Flash. Then you've got a story by Peter J. Tomasi, uh, the Robin King and King of Pain. Um, Keep in mind that with the first story, I didn't mean to, but I rushed ahead without mentioning that it has art by Tony Daniel, uh, colors by Marcelo Manolo, letters by Tom Napolitano. Um, There's a whole laundry list of stories in here. I could lose 10 minutes just getting all of the titles, all of the artists, but big names, big writers, a lot of fun. Stories featuring The Darkest Night, Robin King, B-Rex, that Batman consciousness that you know of now living in a Tyrannosaurus Rex, Castle Bat, Bat Mode Beast, and Baby Batman. I really love the way the first story, The Darkest Night, takes you into a more intimate discovery of what has recently transpired with the Batman who laughs and the new existence that he is embracing and what he's capable of in the doing of it. And the sense of awareness and time, it's really interesting to note the perspectives that he uses because it reminds you so much of the sort of language and viewpoint perspective given by Dr. Manhattan, and yet at the same time, it's the twisted version that is so specifically the Batman who laughs. It makes for a lot of wonder and discovery, and it's the first in a huge list of great versions on every character that might interest you, from Alfred to Bruce Wayne to Batman to the Batman who laughs, and through it all, you you have this opportunity to sort of see just where these twisted versions come from and how they exist. And along the way, there's also just these great notes of humor and sort of awareness that it's it's mostly tragic, but for all of the tragedy, there's also these notes of of hope and, and optimism and just sort of like joyfully weird 
things. It reminds me of when they got Jaro in Justice League, who perhaps is my favorite version of Robin ever created and who I love because he calls Batman dad, which is just one of the most adorable things, I think, ever. The planes are soaring through. We're going to keep things moving along. That was my third choice. Time to move into my fourth. And for that fourth choice, I'm going to be honest with you. I had to go with the Terrifics, number 29. A story called Tomorrow War, part two, actually. Uh, written by Jean Luen Yang. Art by Max Rayner. Colors by Photo Bunker. Letters by Tom Napolitano. Uh, great cover by Dan Mora. One that uh, <laughs> points to some very poignant troubles along the way for Mr. Terrific and his T-Spears and his Terrifics. They're all recovering from the fact that Simon Stagg has passed away and that so much of one of their characters' history, I'm talking about Metamorpho, Mr. Rex Mason, is really sort of thrown into a bundle here. Now, Bruno's rumbling in the background because I don't think anything really phases him. And in a good story, he knows, like the rest of us, that just because things take a dark turn, there's always the opportunity for things to also turn around. Now, that's important to keep in mind because we open with a dark story about the simple fact that when it comes to Simon Stagg and his kids, there's no guarantee that he was actually the nicest of daddies. However, the lengths to which this is revealed has to do with his son Sebastian Stagg. And one night after a emergency that almost cost him his life, he came home, greeted his daughter, let her know that he was proud of his little sapphire, and then had a meeting with his son. Sebastian was never seen from after that, sent away to boarding school. Now again, Bruno, snoring in the background, not quite as worried, but Sebastian didn't take so well to this. He actually really struggled with it, and he's come back after the passing of his father to contest for rights to the family fortune as an heir, perhaps as the only heir, if he can get Sapphire to go ahead and sign things over. But there's an interruption because projectiles, meteors, are raining down. And a system designed by Mr. Terrific that should be preventing them isn't actually working. So, Mr. Terrific and his tea council head on up to take care of things, only to discover that Lobo is there. He's not alone. He's joined with that oh-so-interesting android creation slash former bodyguard of Simon Stagg, who suddenly appears to be working with Lobo and refers to Sebastian Stagg as the Honorable Mr. Stagg Jr., why are they in cahoots, and what does Simon Stagg Jr. have, or Sebastian Stagg, have to do about this? Well, that's for a discovery in the final pages. Without giving away a spoiler, I'm happy to say that this is one of those stories that takes you a little bit farther down the road, and then, just when you think the only option left is going off a cliff, or turning left, well, you drive off the cliff, and then discover... There's so much more waiting for you on the way down. This was a fun pick for me. I'm happy to include Terrifics, number 29, here on this episode of DC Comics News Spin Rack. Looks like it's time for number five. 
Well, Bruno's waking up a little bit more now. The planes are roaring a little bit louder and faster, and it appears as though the day is getting started everywhere. If not, it's just sort of picking things up, and that's okay as we get ready for our fifth and final choice. I'm talking about Strange Adventures, number four. Now, this is one of those stories that Tom King excels at. Uh, his writing is powerful, complex, layered, and meant to take you on many different paths that are part of a larger scale story that doesn't always seem like it's providing you with the window and the view you would like. Instead, it gives you the window and the view that's necessary in order to understand the scope of the story. He's joined by amazing interior and cover art by Mitch Gerards and Evan Doc Shaner with letters by Clayton Cowles and a really, really lovely story inside. Uh, the covers are absolutely phenomenal. I was a big fan of this one. It's, it's just got that, you know, uh, Mr. T, T symbol with the uh, Rand ship sort of soaring through this beautiful construct that, that evokes just some of the most lovely parts of space and the, the cosmic wonder that I think we've become more aware of with amazing advancements like Hubble Telescope and other far-seeing instrumentation, the voyages of Voyager, the travels of our probes, the views they give us of the space we hope to understand. This book captures so much of that, provides that sense of what a foreign, different, completely alien world would be like through the understanding of someone like Adam Strange. Uh, someone who has chosen a side and fights to protect what he sees as a people in danger. Yet that fight might have led him to be more dangerous and violent that the public was made aware, or have other elements to his story that, for whatever reasons, were left out of his recent autobiography. And for the most part, it's these potential secrets that have brought in Mr. Terrific to investigate. Terrific now arrives on Ren, where he reveals that he would like to see all the records that are involved with his investigation. Now what he's informed of is that the records maintained by the enemy, otherwise known as the Pict, aren't available. And there's no real point because no one can translate them. Except for the fact that Mr. Terrific is extremely smart. And on his journey over to Rand, he actually taught himself the language. His request is met with disagreement by the ruling powers on Rand. And because of that, he is, well, they attempt to place him under arrest. At which point they realize that that was a terrible idea. However, they also decide that they still want to challenge his investigation and put him at odds. There's a testy exchange between Mr. Terrific and Sardath, the main scientist, a ambassador to all visitors, a ruling presence. Along the way is also the challenge of Adam Strange, who's waiting on his Zeta Beam to take him back. That weight is weak. It's one that he can't bear 
to go through, and he asks everyone from Hal Jordan to Superman to help him get back to the planet. They give him a series of very fair arguments that he's not really in the mood to listen to, and yet at the same time, he's forced to deal with the fact that without their help, he has to wait. And his predictions of what will happen if he does, in his mind, come true. And then, for all of that, there is a beautiful sense of the companionship and partnership that Adam has exchanged with the woman who is now his wife. And the scenes where they are together, flying, and believing that they are the saviors and protectors of Rand. easy to picture her as a loyal ally and someone who will stand beside the man she believes in, the man she married, uh, the man she will spend the rest of her life with. And that's going to make her a bit of a thorn in the side of Mr. Terrific and his investigation. This is a really great story. Don't let Bruno snores distract you from the fact that when you're reading Strange Adventures. You're reading a mystery that delves deeply into what it means to be a hero, what it means to be more complex than just a catchphrase or an iconic image. These things are all brought to light in a great story that is well-crafted by Tom King and highlighted by the amazing art team that includes Mitch Gerard's and Evan Doc Shaner. I highly recommend, if you haven't, please consider these five books from DC Comics as I've highlighted them here on the DC Comics News. Spinner Rack. This has been episode number 67. I've been your host, Seth Singleton. The snoring guy in the background has been Bruno, the one making the jingling and sometimes <clears throat> grooming noises would be my lovely pickle, Fiji. You can let us all know what you think about this episode, which has now come to a close. Strange Adventures was a 5 out of 5. All of these books, all 5. A great 5 out of 5 selection. But that's just my opinion. I'd love to hear yours. I don't know if Bruno and Fiji would be as interested, but if you have something you want me to let them know, or just something for me in particular, you can go ahead and reach out to me anywhere across that wide social internet world. You can find me on Twitter as one more singleton. On Instagram as Set the Writer. You can find Bruno and Fiji actually on there. On Instagram as Bruno and Fiji. They're cuter than I am. Their videos are better. And if you want to look at them, I totally understand. However, you, if you message them, I'm the only one who can answer. So go ahead and let me, us, know what you're thinking. And if you want to talk to the whole team, everyone here at DC Comics News, it's really easy. Whatever platform you're on, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, YouTube, all you have to do is use the at symbol in DC Comics News. It's really just the at symbol, capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N-E-W-S. And when you do that, you make sure we know what you're thinking, what you want us to know, and we'll respond back, maybe as a group, maybe individually, but I guarantee you. We will respond to make sure that you get a chance to catch this and every episode of the great content we offer. Please make sure that you have subscribed on your favorite platform to the DC Comics News Podcast Network. When you do, you guarantee you 
will always catch the newest version of episodes like the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, the DC Comics News Weekly Podcast, covering all the big stories from the news side of movies, television, streaming, comics, and more each and every week. You'll also get a chance to let your hair down, to hang out with that same group of characters as they get a little more body with the original DC Universe creation, Harley Quinn, in podcast known as Mad Love, a Harley Quinn cast. If you love the show and are old enough to watch it, then you're old enough to watch this podcast and join along with us as we talk about our favorite moments. You'll also make sure that you catch every episode of new content coming your way, like I Am The Night, hosted by our very own Mr. Steve J. Ray, an episode-by-episode breakdown of Batman the Animated Series. And I happen to know there are one or two more podcast series on the way. How to make sure you never miss out. Subscribe now to DC Comics News Podcast on your platform. And you're guaranteed to catch us each and every time. With that, I'm going to let Bruno get back to snoring. I am going to crack open another comic book and look forward to the next time we can talk more comics together. Once again, this has been the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, episode number 67. I've been your host, Seth Singleton. Thanks for a great time. Thanks for joining with me. Can't wait to hear from you and talk to you on our next episode. Until then, read more comics. <laughs>